Welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast, a podcast all about sharing ideas, tips, and strategies to help you develop as a Kidman leader. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To download today's show notes or to learn more about our certification program, training intensives, and institutes of children's ministry, visit our website, cogop.org slash children. Hello and welcome to the Developing Leaders Impacting Kids podcast. I'm Sean McKinley, your host, and joining me is my co-host, our training specialist, Joy Hensley. Hello, Joy. How are you? Doing great. So excited to be here for another podcast today. Our second one. Yes. We got the first one behind us. <laughs> supposed to be better now, right? <laughs> supposed to be. We'll see. Uh, we are trying a new format here with our podcast after a year of offering some of our favorite training uh, workshops and, and experiences, we've decided to try this live, sort of live file, format. And so we had a great response to our first episode. We actually had the most downloads we've ever mm-hmm. had uh, in the first week of our podcast. So thank you to those who who tuned in and listened. We got some great feedback, didn't we, Joy? Yeah, I think it was because they realized that you and I were both going to be pediatricians. That might be <laughs> it. Yes, we discovered we were both going to be pediatricians, but God had another plan for us, right? So maybe not as lucrative a path, but definitely more rewarding, we believe. So uh, so thanks to everybody who tuned in and listened to us. We uh, The first episode was really just about us mm-hmm. and our calling to children's ministry and and uh, our past, present, and maybe some about the future. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we actually have had a, um, a survey out there for children's ministry mm-hmm. leaders that they have been completing for us. And we talked that we suspected most people in our churches, I don't know if you'll remember this, but we suspected that most people were called into children's ministry either because they were really fulfilling a void or a need in their congregation, or their pastor asked them to serve. I don't know if you'll remember that. Yes. Yeah. What was the verdict? Well, the survey says we were wrong. Oh, wow. <laughs> so almost 60% of the people have responded that they received a, a very sure call into children's ministry. So that was encouraging. And then uh, almost, let's see, 30% more said because their pastor um, mm-hmm. called them. So I thought that was really exciting um, to get those numbers in and to hear that people really sense that God had called them to this to this ministry. Of course, we said that God calls us in all three of those ways. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. right. so we're really glad to have those responses. And again, thanks everybody for joining us today. Well, Joy, you and I, when we talked about our guests for this first year of mm-hmm. the podcast, we knew who we wanted our, our very first guest to be. Right. And um, so we are glad to have with us Kathy Creasy. Uh, and so why don't you introduce Kathy? Tell us a little bit about yeah. who's joining us, as if we needed an introduction. I know. Everyone knows and loves Kathy. So Kathy, has she has served the Church of God of Prophecy for more than 26 years as the International Children's Ministry Director. And she brought to that assignment considerable children's ministry experience at both the local church and the regional level. Her passion for developing leaders was birthed out of her call to serve children. In her first ministry role as Regional Children's Ministry Director, Kathy saw the need for children's ministers to be skilled in ministry and leadership, which prompted her to organize her first children's ministry conference at the age of 21. During her tenure as the International Children's Ministry Director, Kathy developed effective ministry and leadership training resources and built strong mentoring relationships with leaders in more than 50 nations. 
Recognition by international leadership of Kathy's passion, experience, and skill led her to her appointment, which she has now as the Executive Director of Leadership Development and Discipleship. Kathy earned her Master's of Science degree from George Peabody College of Vanderbilt University, and she taught in public schools in Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia. She is a licensed minister with the Church of God of Prophecy. Kathy, of course, is married to her husband, Rick, and they both live here in Cleveland. They have a son, Lee, and his wife, Sarah, with two young daughters, Elodie and Amelia, and they live in Colorado. And then a younger son, Clint and Karis, with one son, Callum, and a baby on the way soon here, and they live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But Kathy's joy is working with continental, national, and regional leadership to develop and implement strategies that will identify, equip, and release developing leaders. So, Kathy... Thank you for being with us today. We're so excited to have you. Hey, I'm really glad to be here. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we both decided that our first interview should be with Kathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we described in our last podcast, Kathy was very formative in helping us to go to new levels of ministry and invest in us and give us opportunities to not only serve but also lead. Mm-hmm. So thanks again, Kathy, for being with us. Now, um, some people who are listening uh, are have been in children's ministry for a long time. And so they have been connected with you and they may not know what you've been up to uh, since (laughs) moving and transitioning out of children's ministry into the executive director role. So we wanted to give you just a few minutes to tell us about what that transition has been like or what you've been working on. Well, uh, that transition has been good, <laughs> thankfully, because Sean came along to, to, to take children's ministry that made it better. Um, and uh, basically, when we came, when I came into this uh, position of executive uh, director of leadership development and discipleship, we began. Um, there were there are four of us leading ministries within LDD, and we began with developing a strategic plan with the overall of objective that we would all work together to develop leaders, to develop to develop. Uh, leaders through providing accessible and relevant training and resources. And of course, children's ministry uh, had already done well at that, but we all united under that one purpose. For us in Leadership Development and Center for Biblical Leadership, which is what I I have direct oversight over, we uh, immediately began the launch of the development of a minister's development program because Uh, Having traveled internationally and experienced with so many different languages, I was well aware that our leadership does not have the resources and materials to train their pastors, many, many of our overseers. And so that was really my heart for taking this position. So for the past three years and until the next assembly, that's what we're working on mainly, but we're also... Uh, we made a big attempt. We've been making a big attempt just to engage with leaders and also to provide enriching experiences for those who are excellent leaders, ministry leaders and pastors, but who just need uh, enrichment mm-hmm. and encouragement. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've been doing over the past three years. Yeah, and having been on this journey with you, one of the things that I don't know that we really fully appreciated at the time, but boy, now we're grateful for is Early on, you really uh, pushed us to embrace technology, uh, online learning platforms, and uh, social media, 
And 2020, uh, we sure really needed that <laughs> once did. 2020 hit. So uh, I'm really grateful in particular for that leadership. Yeah. And, and last year, Children's Ministry really embraced the idea of having strategic priorities for the year. Right. And that's something else you really encouraged us, all of us to do. And uh, in a year where things could have very quickly right. fallen off the rails, having those priorities really gave us direction for the year. So right. uh, I am really grateful for that. But, uh, Kathy, we wanted to sort of continue our discussion, the discussion mm-hmm. Joy and I had concerning calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll get, to, we'll get to specifically why I invited you in a few questions. But we'd really, we'd like to know more about how old you were when you responded to God's call. And, and maybe you can tell us about that. Right. Um, I was a child. And I don't remember when there was a specific call when I felt God speak to me just directly early on. But when I was nine years old, my mother and father were pastoring a group of tenant farmers and who could not read or write. They had never had an opportunity for education. So they had many children, but there was no one who could teach them. So mom and dad Uh, assigned me the responsibility of teaching the younger children every Sunday morning in Sunday school. And uh, mom would help me get my lesson together and I would teach. And uh, always from that time, um, I just had a, you know, a really deep sense that God had called me to minister. And uh, I felt that it was specifically for children. So that was my real first experience Mm. with ministry. Mm. That's awesome. And Kathy, as Sean was talking about earlier, you have done a lot. You've worked with a lot of leaders internationally and nationally and locally. Um, So what do you see as the biggest struggle that leaders face when it comes to embracing their calling? Well, I think there's several things, and it's different for different individuals, I think. I think there are some uh, people, when God calls them, they just can't imagine that He would call them, and they are—they just don't feel that they are capable, or how could He use them? Uh, I think it's kind of a Gideon complex. I'm—I'm I'm the least, and and He probably couldn't use me. I think another one is fear—fear fear of what the future looks like for a called person. What does that look like for me, and how will I walk that out? And I think that is, uh, you know, you have to trust God with that. Mm-hmm. And um, it, But it, I think that fear does hinder some. Mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest things that I see now is that many of our young men and women in our churches haven't really seen too many individuals who leave all to fulfill a calling. Mm-hmm. They really haven't seen that modeled. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much, perhaps, as I did living in a pastor's home, but um, many many of the people are consumed by their careers and responsibilities, and they lose sight of that. But uh, I think the big thing is understanding that Paul was a tent maker and a called one. Mm-hmm. He t- he. Mm-hmm. He made tents, but his calling was top mm-hmm. priority. Mm-hmm. And they haven't seen, may not have seen that modeled, but if they can begin walking it out, I, I think God will help them and, and enable them to uh, fulfill the calling that he has on their lives. Mm-hmm. And in our last podcast, one of the hurdles I mentioned was I struggle a lot with 
um, worrying about the opinion of other people. Right. Um, and so I know you and I have had conversations <laughs> about that before, um, just in passing. So how in the past have you fought against the fear about worrying about other people's opinions? And maybe what are some ways that you have overcome that fear? Mm, absolutely. I think fear is probably one of my biggest challenges in my um, personal walk with God. Fear of many different things, but definitely uh, wanting to um, be valued or wanting to um, people to have a high opinion, which isn't really, doesn't sound very godly, does it? No. <laughs> so I think one of the first things is that you really have to admit that you do have fear of man, that you are concerned about what others mm-hmm. think about you. You have to come to grips with that because the uh, that really isn't pleasing to God. It, it, we can make excuses for it, but it's really not pleasing. So as a follower of and, and someone called to ministry, you have to be honest with yourself and with God that you do sometimes seek the approval of men and you do have a fear of losing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that so to me, that's the first step. And then I think when you're able to admit that, then considering what would my reactions look like if I didn't have fear mm-hmm. of man, if I wasn't seeking that approval. And I think for me, I would, uh, when I grasp that and I consider it, I'm definitely more confident and I'm more um, assertive about what God has called me to do. So I think it's, it's good to acknowledge that. And I think, of course, the final thing is always allowing God to confirm and affirm and reaffirm mm-hmm. your calling and your personality and your, um, your character traits because He made you. You may not like some things, and they may be the areas where you have the greatest fear of man. So letting that personal relationship with God give you that affirmation that you need. And I, I can speak from experience. I remember feeling coming at a crisis point in being called to ministry, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, "Boy, I've really messed up, and I've lost it for a lifetime, you know, or <laughs> I've lost focus, you know." Right. And the realization that God will affirm that calling, you know, that you've not gone too far and stepped too far out, that He will not reaffirm Absolutely. that calling. And I think sometimes, especially maybe when we're younger, we don't realize that that's part of most of our journey. Absolutely. That we all experience those times. Mm-hmm. Okay, so looking back now, if younger Kathy were here, <laughs> what piece of advice would you want to share with the younger version of yourself? I think it somewhat goes back to that fear of being who God called us to be. It's really just, uh, for me, as a younger version of myself, continuing to stop and take time to consider how God has already worked. Looking mm-hmm. back so that you can look forward mm-hmm. with confidence. And as a young person, I can remember so well uh, my second children's ministry conference. It was the next year yeah. after the first one, and things were just weren't falling in place. And I had an upstairs apartment in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, my mom had come 
just mm-hmm. to be there as a support. And I was just overwhelmed mm-hmm. by all that needed to be done before the next day. And uh, just committing that to the, the Father, Mom and I praying together, and feeling, I can almost sense it, the wind kind of blowing through that apartment, that wind of peace, and the um, amazing conference mm-hmm. that we had that next mm-hmm. day. And so as a, as a young leader, when you step out, there's so much fear. Mm-hmm. When you step out, whether it's just to, and I don't mean just, whether it's leading a worship service for the children or presenting um, a message to the congregation on the value of children. There's so much fear. But if you can remember what God's already done, focus on that and be confident in that, I think you can overcome some of those young leader (laughs) challenges. Sure. As we really kind of think of those young leaders, I know... uh, sitting around the table with you and the other directors in our department, um, we really want to help bring some focus and concentration to young emerging leaders. And um, Joy and I recounted in our last podcast about when we felt called to ministry and Mm -hmm. maybe some of the resistance or challenges that we experienced. So it is possible that there are some pastors and leaders of other ministries who are listening today. And so would you have any practical suggestions as to... uh, how they can help emerging leaders when they um, want to walk in their calling? Well, I think one of the things, and uh, when we did our team-up conferences a few years ago for youth and children's ministry, some of you may remember those, but Larry Acosta came to speak, and one of the things he said that I thought really stuck with me was engage, remember and engage the pain of your time as a young leader. Mm -hmm. And I think, for one thing, as a young leader, just thinking back on that, uh, I I lived in a very encouraging environment in every area of ministry, but um, I do think that there there needs to be a lot of affirmation, uh, and affirmation of gifts and calling. And I think that that is something that pastors can do very well and can really help guide a young leader into fulfilling the purpose God has for them. And I remember not so long ago, maybe it could have been 25 years now, but I was already in international ministry and I was being mentored by the pastor at the local church where I served as um, a mentor to the young women uh, who were in youth ministry. And one day he said to me, he said, Kathy, do you realize that you have the gift of, and he named the spiritual gift, which I, I won't name today. No one had said that to me. I had felt it in my spirit, but no one had affirmed it in a leader, from a leadership level. No one had affirmed it. So I think it's so important for our pastors when we see gifts and abilities in Mm -hmm. our emerging leaders to really uh, point those out because it does guide them to more confidently fulfilling the purposes God has for them. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that's the major one. Yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, Joy and I, again, our experience with you, you have have been generous to affirm those callings in us. Mm -hmm. And I think that... um, because of that relationship, it's giving you access to have greater influence in our mm-hmm. lives in particular um, 
to uh, even move beyond just the affirmation, but to right, share things exactly. that are challenging with us and yeah. sometimes difficult, but that help us grow to become the leader that God wants us to be right. and removes hindrances that we right. we may not even see. Yeah, you know, um, in in education, they say that you can give too many positives. It ha- it has been studied. I-, I don't know how factual that is totally, but I do think that affirmation of young leaders allows you also then to share those things that also will help them grow, which may not seem like affirmation, but if it can but if it's done based on relationship mm-hmm. and kindness and love, I think it does, it's such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's a very good point. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I appreciate about uh, your ministry and really the way that you structured a lot of what we do in children's ministry, mm-hmm. um, a lot of our training and even our training uh, experiences and events has an element of spiritual formation mm-hmm. and a time of, of personal reflection and intimacy with the Father. And you talk a lot about the importance of having an intimate relationship mm-hmm. with God. So can you share maybe a little bit about how intimacy with God has helped you walking out or embracing your calling? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, what you just brought up is when we begin the inter- when we begin the Institutes of Children's Ministry, the one here in North America, and then we went into international, uh, the first the first session of every day was a spiritual formation session. And I, because, and we as a team had the value of that, I forgot what we named that value, but it was dependence, it was dependence on God. And I think um, the, the scripture says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I just think prayer and study of God's word, meditation, all the spiritual difference uh, all the spiritual disciplines are basically human beings acknowledging God, I can't do anything without mm-hmm. you. And so that that is something that I feel like if if every leader commits to uh, showing their dependence on God through prayer, through meditation, through study of God's word, all those disciplines or whatever disciplines uh, are uh, provide intimacy for you, it, it really does open up God's abundance. Mm. And I've seen him not long ago. Um, in fact, just this week, I had a situation in the office and um, I wasn't sure how I was going to respond to it. I had already responded. It just didn't seem like it was quite right. It wasn't offensive or... Uh, difficult, but I just didn't think I'd hit the nail on the head, and so I was praying about it. And in my prayer time, I just immediately knew what I was supposed to do, and that was God's wisdom. It was not mine, and when I acted on it, I knew it was God's wisdom because of the response uh, of the individual. And so we as leaders, it it doesn't matter whether you're the director of children's ministry in your local church or whether you're an international leader over in these international offices. We can do nothing apart from God. And my times of intimacy with the Father are um, the sweetest mm-hmm. times for me. Mm-hmm. I even think 
when you model that to to the emerging leader, I think mm-hmm. that that has so much value and importance. I know for my own self, just being around you and other people, when we've had times of intentional prayer or mm-hmm. when we've said we're going to stop and fast about this or, um, you know, dedicate ourselves to those disciplines, I can really see even personally how that has mm-hmm. benefited my life and myself. So it's been very encouraging, and um, you mentioned earlier how you've been encouraged by several people throughout <laughs> your life, and I know you mentioned your your mom and your dad really kind of putting you in that leadership mm-hmm. position, but had, do you have any other people or groups of people that have encouraged you to follow God's call in your life? Well, um, one person was my aunt, my mother's sister, her okay. name was Aunt Bessie, and she was a Sunday school teacher. And then she did become uh, the director of children's ministry here here in the region of Tennessee, and she let me go with her, and um, I helped her with training. I helped her with ministry to children. But um, for me, um, I heard a phrase just recently, and it was the phrase, for those who have joined their faith with mine. And it just really struck me because... All of my ministry, I have had people that have come alongside, they've understood what I wanted to accomplish, and they've joined me in it. And sometimes it was very sacrificial on their part, even more so than it was on mine. They gave of their time, they gave of their abilities, they gave of their resources, and I think those people are the most encouraging to me, and some of them are my dearest friends as well, because... We built a relationship out of that. And um, nobody can accomplish vision and calling without other people. Our calling calling is lived out in a community of believers. And when when God sent Jesus to earth, he gave him 12 people. And that was to fulfill calling. And when we have a calling on our lives, whatever it is, God has already brought people Hmm. who will join their faith with ours. And it's just amazing. And those are the dearest people to me. That really takes leadership to a new level, uh, almost a a sense of partnership in ministry. And I I think, you know, one of the biggest struggles we hear from children's ministry leaders is is volunteers, people to come alongside of them and what would it be if we stopped looking at them as just somebody that can do right. a task or fulfill a role and really join their faith with ours in what God's right. called us to do? It's a, it's a great thought. Now, and go I, ahead. I do want to say that I do think it's a spiritual battle to find those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, it does require us really praying and believing that God's going to do mm-hmm. it. But it's very biblical, and it's very, very much such a powerful thing in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, we've talked about a lot. Now let's get to what I really invited you here for, Kathy. Uh, I don't remember the, I've, I've oh. told you this before, I don't <laughs> yeah. remember the exact conversation, and I don't remember what I was going through when, when you dropped what I thought was, boy, that's profound. <laughs> and I've, It's been so long, and I've still been thinking over it, so maybe you can help me fully understand. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, but we were in a conversation one day, and you... Uh, you mentioned this idea of calling and or assignment. 
um, I was I was struggling with something about my own personal call to ministry, mm-hmm. and you brought out this idea of calling and assignment. So, can you talk to us a little bit? I know you don't remember that conversation. I don't. And I don't remember <laughs> all of it. Uh, but can you maybe talk to us a little bit about is there a difference between calling and assignment? Okay. Uh, well, like I wish I did remember it and the context, but I <laughs> it don't. It was very profound, so. <laughs> though. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think. Um, as I talked about earlier, I think we talked about it earlier, but basically our purpose is why we're here, here on earth, and our calling is that, that path we take to fulfill our purpose. And the assignments are just the tasks we do along the way, and sometimes people um, lose sight of their calling doing their task or their mm-hmm. assignment, and sometimes we feel like the assignment that we're in at the time what does it have to do with calling? So I think it, for me, my calling has been to develop leaders. When I felt called to ministry, I thought it was a calling to minister to children, but as I um, almost immediately, as a 20-year-old director of children's ministry over Tennessee, I realized our children's ministers have to have training, and that's where I got a firm sense God has called me to develop leaders, and most of those leaders that I develop will serve children. That that's what that what that's what my calling has been. But you know, my assignments have been so many different things, and I feel like all of them, in some way or another, have been connected to my calling. Uh, either, um, for example, I'm a mom, and that is. For me, that's a high calling, but it's also an assignment. But it, it directly connected to my calling to serve children, and it directly connected to my calling to see people called into their own ministries and develop leaders. And I think for me that um, sometimes we get caught up in assignment and don't see how that does fulfill our calling, but usually it does in one way or another. Mm -hmm. It has something to do with our calling. But I also think that we can get distracted from our calling by assignments. Mm -hmm. And we really Mm -hmm. have to be careful about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes we try to do the things that we think are needed, maybe urgent, but if they're not aligned with our calling, we really need to seek God before we take those on because we become so weighted down with other responsibilities and duties that then we aren't able to be free to act in ways that fulfill our calling. And I think as you talk, I sometimes we view, if, if we view an assignment as the calling things fall apart very quickly right. when the assignment changes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And you are become very unstable, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you can quest, be questioning, God, what are you doing to me? When it yeah. really it was just the assignment that you were in. I, I think through this conversation and maybe a little bit from our conversation last month, calling in some ways is a process. Right, and God is it constantly is. refining you and, and, and all of this throughout that process. Yes, um, I think so too, so much. So um, I think one of the reasons that we had that original conversation may be due to my next question. Um, <laughs> sometimes uh, when we're in life, we uh, it seems that our assignment and our calling is not in sync or they're out of alignment. 
Um, and that can be for multiple reasons. It can be for a decision we've made, a path we've taken, a mistake, some maybe we've messed up, someone else has chosen a new course for us, whatever it is. Right. Sometimes your assignment and your calling seem out of alignment. Mm-hmm. So do you think or how might that impact God's plan for our lives when we come to those moments? Well, <laughs> um, I believe that God is always at work, and I believe He redeems everything in our lives if we allow Him to. So, um, and a scripture that came to mind as I think about it is, and I often think of this scripture, the mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps in Proverbs sixteen nine. And um, so for me, I think that even though we may veer off the path of our calling, and we may have done it willfully, we may have become so discouraged. And I have seen this in some of our friends who have worked on our team in children's ministry. We may have become discouraged. We may have been um, mistreated. We may have been uh, not valued. So we veer off the path. And But you know what? Usually we move into something that the Lord will redeem. Either we will gain experience that we will later use in our calling. Uh, We gain relationships that will be beneficial in our calling later. Uh, So I see God always, if we, you know, can walk humbly before him he can just he will redeem those things and and i love the story of peter because he definitely got off his calling and he said hey i'm going back to fishing i've had it but god i call it god did the recall of the call and he said hey peter what what is your call feed my sheep and i i've seen it in the lives of my friends and i've seen it in my own life uh, that God uses everything uh, to help us. God calls us, and He's not going to leave us out there hanging. He mm-hmm. wants us to fulfill our calling, and He mm-hmm. wants to. He's there mm-hmm. for us in that, even when we when when we're not faithful, He's still faithful. Mm-hmm. And calling can kind of be a big and scary word for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yep. And so a lot of times people, I have friends, and I know people even at church, they just constantly feel like they're searching for that calling, and they're just not at peace about it. Um, Maybe they don't feel like God has hit them with a lightning bolt or another crazy experience. So how might people who are searching for their calling, how might they better find or identify that in their own life? What would you give them as advice? I think, first of all, you have to go back to your purpose. And those mm-hmm. of us who are called and in ministry, we need to go back to our purpose mm-hmm. because our purpose is glorify God. Calling is secondary to our purpose. So first of all, really committing to your purpose. I am put on this earth to glorify God, and no matter what I do, if I collect the garbage on the street and... Mm-hmm have no leadership position in my local church, I am still to bring glory to God. And I think out of that, we can better find our calling. And I think, too, we're really confused about what calling is because calling is not necessarily an appointment Mm -hmm. or a position. Calling comes directly from God. 
And so just because we don't have a, a, an appointment or we haven't been given the position that we think we want, want to have in a local church, there is a calling on our lives. Every believer has a calling. That path of action that he will take to fulfill the good works that God intended for him to do. So uh, humbly recognizing that calling really doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your position uh, or, or an appointment. And so I think the best way to, to find calling is to get off the sidelines. And mm-hmm. I, in our small group, when Rick and I led small group um, a few years ago, you know, there were several people who would say, you know, I really am passionate about this. And so you would try to move them forward toward that passion, but they never could get off the sidelines. But I think as young, as young men and women, especially who are trying to find their calling, get off the sidelines and serve where you see something that is needed to be done or where you're passionate, something you're passionate about. It may be something that there is no ministry in the local church, but you have a passion for something that mm-hmm. could bring glory to God. Go for it. It doesn't have to be in the local church mm-hmm. to bring glory to God. Yeah, I think a lot of times we get confused with where we put our identity, mm-hmm. and we do put it in that position or in that role Versus, like you said, our purpose, which is to glorify God, and we have to root our identity in that, which yeah, it's difficult for me. It's very, it's very difficult. Hard. It's very difficult for everyone. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. people just aren't honest. About it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kathy, for for those who are thinking about calling and mm-hmm. and seeking God for what He wants them to do, you um, one of the first things that you did in your new role was to make available um, a course online called Yes, Mm -hmm. Responding to the Call of God. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about that? Okay. Yes, uh, for for many years we talked about it in children's ministry and all of leadership development before I was in this position, but we really wanted to engage our young leaders, our emerging leaders, people who are really wanting to embrace a call. Uh, And so that's what this course came to be. It's a very simple course and basically five lessons. You can go through it in four, three or four hours, but it deals with some topics that I think are very important. And the first one is the call is God's gift, and it is an amazing gift. And I believe, mm-hmm. Joy, you and Sean would both agree with that. It is amazing mm-hmm. to fulfill the call of God. It's the best thing ever. And uh, so it just deals with that, how... God chooses to Mm -hmm. use human beings like us. The second one is the call to discipleship, and that goes back to that intimate relationship with the Father because we can really never fulfill our call if we're not pursuing discipleship, if we're not following. And that's that's a forever thing. Mm -hmm. I'll be doing that forever. And then the third one is finding out what is His specific call for me. Mm -hmm. And then finally... How is that call affirmed? And there are inward affirmations of call, and there are outward affirmations. And just helping our young leaders who are to to find that, just helping them to figure out what those affirmations are. And the neat thing about the course is, for each chapter, we have someone 
who is sharing their testimony specifically related to that chapter. Mm-hmm. For example, Adrian Varlack shares our first uh, shares uh, on the call God's gift, and it's just very interesting to hear those mm-hmm. testimonies videos. And I love that uh, for those of us here at the international office who want to connect with young leaders, it's a great way for us to engage with them uh, as they complete the course and kind of identify yes. the general direction that they mm-hmm. want to serve. So, yeah. uh, so it is a free course that's available. Uh, the link is on the show notes for today. But you can also access that course through the Leadership Development website, which is lddcogop.org. Mm-hmm. Now, we're really excited because you have another free course that's going to be made available uh, hopefully next yeah. month in April. Yeah. Uh, and it is called The Essential Elements of Effective Youth and Children's mm-hmm. Ministry. And I know this was a course that uh, several of our, our partners in ministry helped you develop. Yes. So uh, is there anything that you can tell us about that course, kind of a sneak preview of what's going to be available? Right. Um, the course is actually going. The course is going to be a lesson in our minister's development program, but we got it ready, and so we wanted to put it out there because I think it's going to be very useful for ministry teams in local churches, the pastor, the youth leader, and the children's uh, pastor. We basically the course offers um, its three basic. Uh, points you might say and one the first one is the value and spiritual life of children which is very important sometimes we don't value children because we don't understand that they have a very significant spiritual life with God and then the second thing is what are the best practices in youth and children's ministry and uh, then finally what is the pastor's role what can the pastor do to assure that there's effective ministry to youth and to children in his local church. And it's very practical and very insightful. It was written by Melissa Minter, who is part of your children's ministry team, the International Children's Ministry Team. And she's done a great job working with our youth ministry director, Kirk Rising, and with you in development of this. So it's I'm looking forward to it. And we have already gotten lots of responses. Yeah, wonderful. And uh, as you said, Kathy, it's a great... We don't have many tools that kind of bring that team together, mm-hmm. uh, the pastor, the youth leader, and the children's minister. And so uh, I hope that everyone will take advantage of that course once it's available. Right. Again, uh, looking at the 1st of April, correct? Yes. Yeah. It's and a, it will be in Spanish yeah. as well. Okay, wonderful. It's, yeah. it's a free uh, lesson and course that's available to you. Again, you can access that through the Leadership Development website, which is lddcogop.org. Well, I think we've thoroughly drilled Kathy today with all of our questions. I'm going to enjoy. Thank you. (laughs) I did hear some stories that I didn't know. I didn't know about how she had first responded to her call of ministry. So, yeah, it's good to hear. There was nothing in there about being a pediatrician. No. No. So it can't be called McKinley Hensley and Creasy. No, it can't. But let's see, I could have become a nurse. This is true. Yeah, so I could have worked in the office with you guys. (laughs) Just like I do now. (laughs) Well, thanks again, Kathy, for joining us today. I've enjoyed it. You can access the show notes for today on the Children's Ministry website, which is cogop.org slash children. And we hope that you will like and subscribe this podcast and share it with someone that would find it beneficial. Thanks for being with us today, and we look forward to connecting with you next month.